0: Hello and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Helen Freer. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich. And I'm going to start us off this morning with an overview of the latest market news. So in Europe yesterday, the major markets all closed in the red. The Eurostox 50 ended the day down 1.3%. The biggest faller among the major indices was the DAX, which lost just over 2% over the day. The more defensive Swiss equity market fared the best, with the SMI finishing only very slightly negative. And then in the US, the Dow Jones, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq also all finished the day in negative territory. The Nasdaq lost 1.3%. The S&P closed down 0.7%. And within the S&P, only one of the 11 sectors posted a positive return over the day, and that was energy. The worst performing sectors yesterday were telecommunications and materials followed by consumer discretionary. We had UK inflation data yesterday, which came in at another 40 year high for the 12 month period to the end of July at 10.1%. And it was food prices that contributed the most to the rise in inflation. And with energy bills expected to rise further, there's now talk about annual inflation in the UK reaching 13% in October. On the back of the latest inflation figure, Treasuries sold off in the UK and also over the channel in the Eurozone. In the US, in overnight trading, the US two-year Treasury yields are down two basis points to 3.26% and the 10-year yields have fallen three basis points to 2.87%. Employment figures out of Australia show that there was an unexpected cut in employment in July. The participation rate fell slightly as fewer people sought work and the unemployment rate also dropped slightly, standing at 3.4% in July. And economic data out today includes Eurozone CPI data, which is released later on this morning. And second quarter GDP figures for Norway are already out, which showed growth of 0.7% quarter on quarter. We will also hear from the Norge Bank today about their rate decision and guidance for the future. The Norwegian krona has drifted lower relative to the US dollar as investors await the outcome of this meeting. The FOMC minutes from the Fed's July meeting were published yesterday, which stated that officials have agreed that the pace of interest rate hikes will eventually need to slow down, but that they also wanted to gauge the effect their monetary policy tightening was having on inflation. And they said that they won't consider pulling back on rate hikes until inflation has come down substantially. The Minutes also noted, and I quote, in view of the constantly changing nature of the economic environment and the existence of long and variable lags in monetary policy's effect on the economy, there was also a risk that the committee could tighten the stance of policy by more than necessary to restore price stability. And formal negotiations have begun between the U.S. and Taiwan. The two nations are discussing a bilateral trade initiative to deepen their trading and investment relationship. They'll look at topics including regulatory practices, anti-corruption standards and agricultural trade. This is set to create even more tension with China. Following losses in the U.S., stocks in Asia are down so far today. When I looked a few minutes ago, the Nikkei and the CSI 300 were both down by more than 0.8% and the Hang Seng had lost 0.7%. Looking at futures this morning, US futures were in the red, but European futures were up a few moments ago. So that's all from me. I'll hand over now to Norbert, who has an update for us on energy.
1: Yes, uh, thanks, Helen. Well, oil prices dropped towards uh, $90 uh, per barrel and remained under pressure. The headwinds are basically rising storage levels, stagnant demand and increasing production. Um, we also witnessed that the market mood really has cooled a bit and that the risk premium related to the war in Ukraine. So this uh, uh, uncertainty premium in there seemingly really has shrunk quite a bit, maybe also related to the mounting recession fears. Um, Further, if you look at the market, the oil market, the so-called crack spread, so the refining margins, they also diminish quite a bit. So at least from the oil perspective, we now see some disinflationary impacts building. But the, the, the story top of mind is less on the oil side. This is really about Europe's energy crisis, Europe's energy crunch. And if you look back, the past weeks have been quite interesting because we've seen storage climbing even above slightly trend and storage being back at fully normal levels, so basically at 100% of the seasonal capacities. And this is against the background of Russia fully curtailing or really significantly curtailing uh, supplies via pipeline towards Europe. And once again, the gas market really showed its resilience. It's the LNG imports that basically largely compensated the massive Russian shortfall, helped also a bit by partially constrained demand, uh, particularly coming from the industrial side. So this observation of the market seems a bit at odds with the public debate and this seemingly very high fear about Europe running out of gas in winter. So we feel confirmed with our thesis put out ahead of summer that it needs a lot of ifs, that such a risk case would happen. It would need a very cold winter. It would need a lack of energy availability and it would need a very much prolonged outage of the French nuclear power plants. I think that topic, the last topic, is another noteworthy observation. So Europe's energy crunch, in fact, is increasingly less about the Russian gas supplies, but it's more about the issues France has with its nuclear power plant fleet, where some regular maintenance checks led to or detect the corrosion issues. And a very big chunk of the nuclear fleet now is out of service. But the outlook remains that this work will be done in time and that most of this power plant should return in autumn, just ahead of winter. So our views overall remain unchanged. We have cautious views on the energy side. We see uh, further lower prices. We also believe that we we'll are looking at natural gas prices in Europe. That's just one of these other spikes, so basically the force spike. Eventually, you should see some cooling there. And uh, if you look at the rest of the commodity space, we see, especially on the metal side, prices rather at fair levels, and there we stick to our neutral views. That's it from commodities.
0: Thank you very much, Norbert. Marcus, we're looking forward to your updates this morning from the Investment Committee.
2: Yes, Helen. The Investment Committee has decided to add downside protection which short S&P mini futures, 4% across all mandates. Let me reassure you, we are still in expansion mode. We don't believe in a systemic crisis. We don't see reason for a long-lasting recession. As a fixed-income guy, I can tell you that households and corporate balance sheet are great. And we have just heard Norbert, there is sufficient energy. So we don't believe there is an energy-induced crisis coming. So basically, in the expansion phase, you need to be invested. The structural problem remains that the market needs to adjust to the new, or better say, old world without financial repression. That means no more oversupply with free central bank money. The adjustment process we have seen in the first half is a painful one, and it may not be over. The rebound we have seen in July, in our view, has been too fast and too far. And also, we have seen another remarkable phenomenon in the first half. Since the end of financial repressions hits all asset segments at the same time, markets tend to correct in waterfalls. So we believe we need to be invested but we see the risk of a retest of the June lows if market sentiment temporarily turns sour. With this 4% short mini structure, we keep the underlying positions of the portfolio intact. We still are invested in the home markets, in US equities. We have the special teams like Next Generation and Biotech. We don't expect any miracles from the bond side. In the remainder of the year for the full recovery of the bond market, we would have to return to these financial repressions. We don't see that as long as inflation remains sticky. And you just mentioned the example of Great Britain with more than 10% inflation and the Bank of England committed to push the economy into recession. There is no fantasy to return to a financial repression anytime soon. To conclude with China, China used to be a source of strength for the global economy. At the moment, we are very much worried that the downward spiral on the property market has not ended. There is a lack of buyers uh, because young households don't have job security anymore. Without buyers, the property companies don't have liquidity. They don't have access to new funding. uh, They have to sell their properties at fire sale prices. So the downward spiral has not ended yet. To conclude, we added this 4% downside protection, but we still believe we are in an expansion mode. You need to be invested and uh, just we want to be protected against a temporary downswing, as we cannot exclude, I would say, we cannot rule out a retest of the true lows. That's all from my side. Back to you,
0: Helen. Thank you very much, Marcus. And that concludes today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to all of the speakers and thank you all for tuning in. I wish you all a great day and hope that you'll join us again tomorrow. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.